Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen, and today is October 17th. Today we begin a brand new Come Follow Me block, which is Doctrine and Covenants sections 121 through 123, which are some of the most beautiful sections of the Doctrine and Covenants that come from such trial and such tragedy, but the words that the Lord is going to speak to Joseph Smith here in these sections are just incredible. Because of this revelatory experience, the term prison temple is often referred to when we talk about Liberty Jail. And truly, it was a temple-type experience. I love that phrase, a prison temple, because it goes to show us that even in our darkest moments, even in the most difficult things that we're enduring or going through, the Lord can still reveal things to us. He can still reveal himself to us. And we can have sacred, special experiences, even in the darkest of times and the most difficult of things. So this revelation is actually given in March of 1839, but Joseph and these other five men were actually arrested in October. And there were several things that led up to this arrest. There was the Battle of Crooked River, there was the Hans Mill Massacre, and just all the persecution from the Missourians. It's interesting, the Missourians' main beef with the saints was that they politically believed different. They even tried to stop them from voting. They put up all sorts of measures to keep the saints away from the polls so that they could keep the people in office that they wanted. And as a response to these different things, as a response to the mobs that were consistently attacking the saints, the mobs that had surrounded far west and wouldn't allow people to exit to try to get food. If someone left on horse, this mob would either attack the person and steal the horse or kill the animal and drive the person back into far west. And so there were all sorts of awful things happening. They were raiding the saints' homes. They were hurting people. And so the saints naturally did things to try to defend themselves. They had quote-unquote military units or militia that were trying to defend the saints and try to help. And so in October, Joseph and five other men were arrested for treason. Now, obviously, these were trumped up. They were fake charges. But because the saints were so disliked in the area, they hardly had a sympathetic ear. In fact, the judge that was in charge of hearing the case actually pointed to one of the men and said that if they would deny Joseph Smith and deny the church, that he would let him go on the spot. Of course, the man refused to do that, but it just goes to show you that they were not among friends. It was not an impartial judge that was listening to the case. It was not impartial people that were involved. It was people who hated the saints and who were doing anything they could to drive them out of Missouri. And arresting Joseph Smith and these five other men was part of that plot to get rid of the saints and to get them out of Missouri. A few days before Joseph Smith's arrest, Governor Boggs actually gave the extermination order saying that the saints either needed to be exterminated or driven out of Missouri but that they couldn't be in Missouri anymore. And so imagine what that must be like for the saints, especially the saints who had just been driven out of Kirtland. They just leave Kirtland, they get to far west, and then they experience the same thing over again, where they're being driven out and threatened with violence and being told that they couldn't be there. Not only were they threatened with violence, but things like the Hans Mill Massacre and this Battle of Crooked River have got to be just terrifying 
for the saints. So Joseph Smith and these five men were arrested at the end of October. They were held in Richmond for a while while the trial was happening. And then eventually they were taken to Liberty, Missouri on the 1st of December, 1838. So let's think about this for a second. Here they are in Liberty Jail, which is two stories. They were kind of in this dungeon basement type thing. They're in a 14 by 14 room, five men in such a small space, six feet high ceiling, so much so that most of the men had to crouch down to even be able to stand. They couldn't stand up straight. They could barely fit if they're all laying around. The conditions were horrendous. And not only that, they are in the coldest months of the year, without blankets, without proper clothes, without an actual bed to lay on. They just had some dirty straw. They weren't given proper nutrition. The prison guards oftentimes would give them spoiled food or sometimes even poisoned food. On a few occasions, they gave them what they called Mormon beef, saying that it was flesh of members of the church. They were sworn at. They were treated cruelly. They were abused. They were kept from their families. Citizens of Liberty would gather at the jail just to look through the windows and to point and to mock and to swear. All the while, they're receiving reports about the suffering of the saints and of their families and of their loved ones, knowing that they were being beaten, abused, robbed, raped, and that there was nothing that they could do about it because they were stuck, unfairly imprisoned, near death themselves, in a jail ironically called Liberty. One of my favorite talks of all time about Liberty Jail was given by Elder Holland, and it's called Lessons Learned from Liberty Jail. And I'm not going to play any of that today for you. I might play some pieces throughout the week, but I highly recommend listening to this talk. It was a BYU talk. It's about 45 minutes long, but it is absolutely amazing. I highly recommend it. But Elder Holland also calls Liberty a temple prison because even in this lowest of low moments for Joseph Smith, he was able to have revelatory experience where he could hear God, where he could receive strength, receive comfort, and be blessed by the Lord. So let's jump in. I'm going to read just a few verses at the beginning of section 121. Starting in verse 1, it says, O God, where art thou? And where is the pavilion that covereth thy hiding place? How long shall thy hand be stayed, and thine eye, yea, thy pure eye, behold from the eternal heavens the wrongs of thy people and of thy servants, and thine ear be penetrated with their cries? Yea, O Lord, how long shall they suffer these wrongs and unlawful oppressions before thine heart shall be softened towards them, and thy bowels be moved with compassion towards them? Now, what I love about these verses is that we have this moment where we can see Joseph Smith's humanity. Here in the depths of sorrow, he looks to the heaven and he says, Heavenly Father, where are you? You seem to be hiding somewhere. And he says, how long? Are you going to keep back your blessings? How long are you going to see all the injustices and the hard things that are happening to us and not do anything? How long are you going to hear the cries of your innocent people and not come to help? Now, it's interesting. Oftentimes we hear someone with these questions saying, Heavenly Father, why aren't you helping? Heavenly Father, where are you? Heavenly Father, why do I have to go through this 
at this time. And we hear someone with these questions and we think, oof, they're really struggling. They're really doubting. But Joseph Smith wasn't doubting. All of these questions acknowledge that he believes in a loving father in heaven. He's not saying, God, do you exist? He's saying, God, where are you hiding? He's not saying you're not watching out for us. He's saying you're seeing everything that we're going through. He's not saying you're not listening to our prayers. He's saying you're hearing our cries. But then he asks, how long are you going to wait before you stretch your hand in and intervene and bless us? Meaning Joseph Smith was never doubting that the Lord was there or able to help them. Rather, he just wanted to know when he was willing to help them. My friends, each and every one of us will go through hard things in our lives. And those hard things oftentimes will drive us to our knees and cause us to ask why. Please understand and please know that that is a normal reaction. But in that reaction, never forget to acknowledge who God is, his ability to reach his hand into our lives, his ability to see us in our suffering, to hear our cries, and to intervene on behalf of his children. I testify that all things come in his way and in his time. And because of his great love for us, he's willing to stay his hand. He's willing to see us suffer. And he's willing to wait until just the right moment when we've learned what we needed to learn and grown in the ways that we need to grow. And then, and only then, I promise that he will reach his hand into your life. He will reveal himself and he will bless his children. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen.